Welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Kosofsky. I'm here with my favorite critic, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you today? Good, how are you? Oh, not doing too bad. Good. On today's show, we're going to cover the opening night film of the Real Asian Film Festival that's coming up next week. And we're going to start with a couple of releases that have just opened in theaters. And the first one we're going to talk about is Synonyms. It's directed by Nadav Lapid, and it opened at the Tiff Bell Lightbox. It's about a young Israeli man, Yoav, who's actually a soldier who has just moved to Paris. And he hopes to escape his country and his life, and he, he sees that his country is full of badness, and he wants to escape that, recreate himself in a way, to the point where he will not speak his native Hebrew, and is insisting instead on teaching himself French. So when he arrives, um, it's not, he doesn't have the best start, but eventually he makes some friends and, you know, starts to try to, like I said, build this life. And as he's doing it, the, the film has got this really interesting pace where, you know, things happen and they're, they're a little bit heightened in terms of the real of it. It's it's not actually true realism. It's sort of got this heightened kind of energy to it, sort of restless energy that he himself has. And he's got this sort of like way of walking the streets uh, because he has nothing else to do at first, you know, walking the streets of Paris, reciting words, French words over and over again, trying to get them into his head. And it becomes sort of like a chant, an incantation, incantation you know, and it's... um. It's a really interesting performance by a newcomer, Tom Mercier. And so, you know, I think it's a, it's a very interesting film that in some ways, you know, I'll let you speak, Courtney, but in some ways I'm not sure about the development of the film. And it might be because that's what the film wanted me to feel, which was this frustration because the character of Yoav is sort of, he's he's not really, he's, he's erased part of his identity, which is his cultural identity. But in a way, I, I kept feeling frustrated with the way that he seemed to have, have erased parts of himself. I, you know, it was hard to see like a character development in a way, except in terms of growing and mounting frustration, you know? I don't know how, how you felt about that, Courtney. Pretty much felt the same way. I This is a film, and I think this is my first ex encounter with Lepid's films. You know, I'm not sure. I, I, I want to see other films of his just to kind of dissect his various themes and tones but one of the things i found about this film is I, I get that sense of frustration because he you have a character who his whole identity is based off of the israeli machismo like being an israeli man you have to be hyper masculine and he, it's a role that he doesn't quite feel comfortable with and you you kind of see him conflicted there's times when he embraces it and then there's other times where you can tell he wants nothing to do with it but i think with this film this film is so stylized that i find sometimes the 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 message gets lost in all the extras mm -hmm. um, yeah there's a lot of really great moments you know there's a lot of interesting humor there's this whole quasi love triangle that's happening between Yoav and the, these, this couple, Emil and Caroline, who help him out at the very beginning and kind of become his friends. And it reminded me of the, uh, I think it was Bertolucci who did the, the Dreamers. There's 
that kind of quasi triangle was interesting, but then it doesn't really get fully fleshed out because the film jumps back to like stories that his father told, and then it jumps to him trying to get guess, citizenship, and then him trying to find a job, and there's just a lot of things going on in this film. So I get this whole frustration and loss of identity because you kind of feel lost as you're trying to follow. The, the thread lines. Yeah, but you know what I, I what I realized about the thread lines is that they're all in in your head, in his head, in their heads, in the couple's heads. It's like this meeting of minds, really. That especially with the man Yoav and Emil, uh, when they speak, they speak about uh, they don't speak about realities. They speak about thoughts and they speak about you know moments in literature and they they trade sort of experiences with great thinkers and they, they trade ideas, right? It's all this idea stuff. It, and it's funny it reminded you of Bertolucci because some of this interaction between the three of them reminded me of Godard, especially between Yoav and Emil, where the men in Godard, I don't think Godard ever had a more advanced thought about male-female relationships ever like in his life so it all when you see it now it all looks very like male centric as in guy friendships are superior they talk about their great thinkers and they trade ideas and thoughts and the women sort of it sort of gets messy when it comes to the women and it's it's sort of not unusual to have two men and a woman in that as well as and the other thing going on is that yoav is trying to keep telling the story of uh, this Greek myth about Hector, who ends up being this problematic character in Greek mythology. So all that with this strong tie that seems to be happening throughout the film to music, you know, that his character is tied to, like director, you know, ties his character to the, to these musical things. And there seems to be moments of life when music is there, but, it's not concrete because it's 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 in the air. It's in it's music, right? Yeah, that's right. And one thing I noticed was I was always aware of the camera's movement. Like there's times where I'd be really captivated by a particular aspect of the story, and then you start to see the stylistic aspects occur. And, I mean, and sometimes they were they were great, they were funny, they were innovative. And then there's other times where it was just like, oh, you you kind of took me out of the moment unintentionally, just yeah. to do this flashy or stylized moments that doesn't really you know signify anything of real importance yeah yeah i think the very the director's trying to do a lot in this film and and the fact that i think he's trying to recreate or create this world of thinkers and thoughts and it, it leaves us wanting something because we need something more concrete as the narrative does make its way through, you know, through all of this stuff. By the end of it, I felt something lacking. And maybe that's what the director intended. And that's for people to decide. I think it's, it's a worthy film to go see because you can have these conversations about it as to, you know, are you satisfied at the end? And do you feel like that ending wraps it up? It can be a problem problematic ending or it can be the perfect ending depending on how you're following what's going on in the film yeah it's definitely a film that i think you'll need to to see twice to really grasp everything that's going on actually that's a good point shall we move on to the next one sounds good okay so the cave has also opened 
at the Bell Lightbox. And it is a film that during TIFF, um, during this last TIFF, the 2019 version of it, this film, The Cave, won the People's Choice Documentary Award. And not only that, but it is a film by the Oscar-nominated filmmaker, Feras Fayad, who was nominated for Last Man in Aleppo, which if you've seen that film, it's unforgettable, right? So he has made this, this film now. This is his latest. And it focuses on the civil war in his native country of Syria. But this time, he follows um, a female doctor and her mostly female team as they are fighting daily, um, constantly. They're constant shelling and um, daily sort of, yeah, it's just disasters going on, like bombings and, and, and horrible things going on. And they have had to set up their medical unit in this sort of hospital like that is actually a cave because it's sort of underground and there's a whole system of underground networks and like there's there's whole like there's a children's ward and there's this this whole thing set up and it's all to try and get to a safe place to then try to deal with the sick and the injured and the dying and it's shot between 20 late 2016 and March 2018 and it's in the tunnels beneath Eastern Alguta on the outskirts of Damascus. And like I said, it's constantly under siege. So the doctor, her name is Amani. She and her team, like I said, it's mostly women. There's one surgeon who's a man and men who help out, but you know, it's mostly them. They're dealing with the wounded and malnourished. There's no anesthetic. Instead of anesthetic, they have music. They play on a, a, a cell phone. Constant lack of food is affecting them as well. This, this staff is sort of like we feel for them. And it's interesting because Fayad didn't actually wasn't able to to be there. He wasn't even allowed into the area. So he had to direct the film remotely. And he relied on three Damascus-born cinematographers. And they are the ones that's that gave it the visual style, which basically involves like shooting still, but very long shot images of usually what happens at the end of a, a series of bombings. So you see the after effects. And otherwise, it's like they're moving, the images are moving very quickly as they're trying to capture all the activities. So it's very rushed. And, you know, this is an overwhelming film, but it's a brilliant film and it's a heartbreaking film. And it's very, very intense and very intimate because as we follow this more and more, then we get really close to the people who are doing this and uh, this constant barrage. It's like, it's it's almost overwhelming, but it's I think it's vital to see. It's a must-see. It's one of my faves of the year, and I didn't realize that he hadn't been on location to to film it, and even orchestrating it from a distance, it's still a remarkable piece of work because it's a very tense film. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you feel the the impact. Like when they when they hear the sounds of the planes or the bombs dropping nearby, you you really feel it, and it's interesting because there you see so many wounded especially children and you know the cameras kind of linger on them as they're crying they're bloody some of them have shrapnel or dust or soot in mouth the gravel it's the rubble from the from the explosions Mm -hmm. like they actually get it in their mouths and she's fighting to get it out so they 
choke. It's heartbreaking, and but yet you're still captivated by the film. Like at no point did I say, "Oh, I need a break," or you know, "I need to turn this off." Like you, you get the the true reality of their circumstance, and I think their bravery shines through. And then, then the fact that you've got this hospital, as you said, that's primarily run by women, and they still have to deal with sexism as bombs are dropping. You know, it's. I know. It's, huh? it's fascinating. What you said was a really good point that you didn't want to turn away. And it's, it's because you start to care. And anyone with a heart can't turn their head away from this. You know, it's hard at the end of the film to even, like, come to the end of the film and realize that this is going on and has been going on for years. But this was just a period of time. And it, ta- it takes its toll on everyone. And, and I think that's also... Something that can be said for the film. People filming the crew get so close with them. And yes, I, I believe that it is a strength, you know, that he wasn't even there and he can accomplish this, you know? We can get so intimate with the individuals who are trying to help everyone that that we get up to you, the cliche, up close and personal with them, um, that we get to hear how they feel and that the film takes a moment to to just take in the impact on them. It's a film that needs to be seen, not only just because it's a great piece of cinema, but I think when it, when we talk about Syria and you know this really long conflict, many of us still have no real idea what's going on. We just kind of see people fleeing or hear about a chemical attack, and then the news cycle changes to something else. Whereas this film, when you see it, like, it sticks with you. You know, you really get a good understanding of what's going on and the same thing with last man in aleppo but i feel like this film is even better than that one yeah i agree absolutely yeah and it's it does stay with you because it lingers on the people in the hospital working there we identify with them mm-hmm. that's right there were there are more people here than in last man in aleppo to actually to bond with like we actually have this bizarre bond we're we're not there the, the dirt is not there and yet these they're all able to to give us a sense of what it's like there, you know? Um, and the other thing, you know, being that, that the staff, they open up in a way. And there's even, like, weird flashes of humor, you know, when, when they themselves are faced with malnutrition and lack of food, right? And, like, the way they pretend when they're having a celebration, they pretend um, to be eating pizza with extra cheese, Things like that. Yeah, it reminds you that they're they're human. At, at, at the end of the day, we're talking about humans. We're not just talking about a random foreign place where bad things are happening. Like, bad things are happening to good, honest people who are just trying to live. That's it. So that is The Cave. And I agree with Courtney. One of the best uh, documentaries of the year. One of the best films of the year, for sure. So let's end with the beginning. To Live to Sing is the opening night gala screening for the Real Asian Film Festival, which opens on Thursday, November the 7th. Check now. I don't know if there are any tickets left. I hope there are. It's um, This is an old friend, Johnny Ma. He made the film Old Stone, which a lot of you will remember. A lot of international um, attention. And it was a very serious film. This is a bit more playful. To Lift is saying focuses on an opera group. And they are falling on hard times because opera is, you know, an ancient art. And unfortunately, only the elderly seem to admire and appreciate it. So their audiences are dwindling and they're not really 
uh, gaining any new followers. It's it's very traditional. It's it's ancient and it's got a lot of history. But as one character in the film says, it's not very cool. So uh, the leader of the troop, Charlie, she keeps fighting. She's an indomitable character and she keeps fighting. Uh, she's fighting to save the troop from extinction, from lack of audiences, but also because the rundown theater that they have their shows at is scheduled for demolition uh, as in the rest of the world it's going to be demolished for condos and everything around them is being d demolished for condos and it's all you know basically the the film becomes you know the fight between tradition and modernization and this it's a struggle right but this troupe it's like a family right and Charlie has her niece Dandan She's played by actually a famous actress, uh, famous in China, and she, who is also an opera singer. So there's hope. This young actress is the lead in this film, and her name is Jia Chali, and she plays Dan Dan. And so Dan Dan is sort of like the, the modern young voice in this troupe who's struggling versus you know her old auntie, but she loves her old auntie. So. You know, it's an interesting uh, struggle there. And what happens, uh, Johnny Ma, he's like a miracle worker in my eyes. Uh, he, he can do like the most amazing things with cinema. He did with uh, the drama in Old Stone, and now he's doing it in, in To Live to Sing. What he's doing is that he takes this sort of like serious drama, but he infuses it with the fantasy world of the operas. And so they start to come together. And they interact. It's not like it overtakes, it takes over, but they interact. And it becomes this really interesting film in that way with, with a lot of different facets happening. So, uh, you know, I think it's a great start to a festival. It's just a fun film, you know? Yeah, it's um, it's a good film. And I, I liked that the film kind of went a lot of places I didn't expect it to. There's, it's, there's a structure to it, but it's all, it also felt kind of freeform in, in many ways. Like, you know, there was certain performances at the end I wasn't expecting. Um, I thought it was going to be more like Farewell, My Concubine at the beginning, where you're going to get an in-depth look at the the opera, but it's more about, as you said, the, the family unit, the makeshift family that this opera troupe has created, and the struggle between modernization, but also, I would say, just different eras, because you have the aunt who wants to keep everything together, values the tradition and the the true meaning of the the art form they're pursuing and then you have her niece who she's raised like a daughter who sees that times are changing and you know she wants to continue performing but as a a more modern singer you know and actually make lots of money the way how modern people do and it's it's their whole relationship i th thought was the was fascinating to watch it's like the true heart of the film and then just the modernization aspects of it as well like you know your opera would be great and make lots of money if you change this this and this and it's like well technically then it's not a traditional opera and it's not right. like, <laughs> like yeah. it, the whole idea of your racing history for profit very very well done um, it, again it goes places i did not expect and i i actually enjoyed it for that yeah yeah absolutely and what you were describing you know your opera would be you know 
selling more tickets and you'd have more people if you did this, this and this. Well, that's where the, I think Johnny Ma has a lot of fun and that we end up having a lot of fun because he has fun with the idea and starts playing. You know, I, I like the way you described it as this free form style. I mean, you know that, that as watching the film, we know there's very much a, a director involved. Like it's it's very clear. But yeah, I like the, the good naturedness of the film and of the director and these absurdist touches that he just throws in there which make perfect sense you know as you were saying in that story your opera would be great better if you did this this and this and so he you know he goes there and shows you what it would be like yeah i, I kind of wish though that the film had played up the the mysticism the fantastical elements a lot more because uh, there's that great scene where the aunt is walking on the street and then she sees this figure across the street, uh, almost like a guide that helps her to yes, a big yes. revelation. And I found that really interesting. And then I found those like long stretches where you didn't get that kind of stuff. I wish it was just weaved in a little more so that by the time you get to the end and when certain things are happening, you're like, ah, okay, it all fits together a little more um, compactly. But, but still, for what you're getting, it's a really... Um, entertaining and just really interesting film. Yeah, I, yeah, I really think that um, you know Johnny Ma has done it again in a completely different way, a completely different style. He's gone to the other extreme, you know, and um, and made made a, a really really interesting film. And I hope everyone has a lot of fun on opening night. So that's it, right? Yep, that's it. That's just a, a little taste of uh, real Asian, and we'll have a little more in our next episode. That's right. So. We'll catch you next time, and thank you for listening.